hearing the sound. just hearing the ear and the hearing consciousness hearing. Just the ear hearing. And your awareness of sound. As you look at me as I'm talking or looking somewhere else, where is the I in the seeing? Where is it? Or where is the I in the tasting as you ate your lunch today? As the tree breathes, where is the eye in the breathing? As the river flows, where is the eye in the flowing? As the wind blows, where is the eye in the blowing? Wind blows. That is the nature of wind to blow. It's actually ridiculous to say wind blows because wind blows. By its very essence, wind blows. There is no I in the process. It is wind blowing. And when we see a river flowing, we're really saying the same thing by definition. It is in the nature of the river to flow. There is no I in the process. This universe that we live in is an expression of the life force without a center. And we know that when we look outside, when we are walking along the beach and we experience the tremendous magnificence of the ocean and the waves, we know that the ocean lives for itself and is its own expression in its formations, in its smells, in its waves. 
in its particular qualities. And there is nothing, unless we're incredibly grandiose, that actually extends from ourselves into a sense of ownership of the ocean. We know that the ocean is not anything other than its own life and its own force and existence. And two, in a way, as we experience the wind blowing, we know that the wind is blowing as its own life force and energy. The wind blows. We see. We taste and we hear. We think in the same ways that the wind blows. We are a particular process expressing itself in the same way that the river flows and the wind blows. And as we bring that quality of awareness to the process of hearing, and we just allow the sound to be heard in the space of our awareness, We begin to see that there is no I, that there is just the sound that is heard by the ear. We are not the sound. We are not the taste. We are not the touch. We are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. These experiences, just as the tree grows and breathes, are natural expressions of light that flow through us and exist. When we see that we are not any of these experiences, there comes into being a tremendous freedom. Because when we unblock the limitations that the sense of I creates, what happens is that the sense of separation falls away and we begin to feel our place in the universe of life. And in this universe, there are no limits. There is the most tremendous feeling of expansion and connection with all life. In this space, in this particular relationship where we begin to disown what we have previously owned, there also comes a deep honoring and a deep respect for all of life, and that includes the life that is flowing through us. That includes the tasting and the hearing. That includes the thinking. That includes the sensations of pleasant and unpleasant. It includes the ecstasy, and it includes the terrors. I know that each one of us in our life struggles tremendously with the experiences that 
arise in our field or in our life. We have feelings and we have thoughts that we don't like and we don't want. We don't have feelings that we want and we don't have thoughts that we would rather have. Sometimes we have tastes that we don't like and sometimes we want tastes that we don't have. We find ourselves in a series of relationships that continue moment after moment after moment where we are grasping onto the flow of water and the blowing of the wind and we are deeply in despair because of course we find ourselves unable to control this natural flow of life. It is impossible, really, it is impossible to grasp the sound. It is sound, hearing itself. And as you see me, it is sight, seeing itself. These are life qualities that are actually outside of our control. So what is it that gives us this incredible sense of solidity? What is it that bonds us to a sense of I and drags us down into this continual, continual round of grasping and of despair? It is the mind space that has no awareness. It is the mind space that has no mindfulness. For when there is no awareness in the moment of experience, the natural tendency of the mind is to grasp and hold on to what is pleasant and to reject what is unpleasant. And those experiences of unpleasant and pleasant happen to us through what? Sound, sight, taste, feeling, qualities of feeling, and thoughts. When I say that the greatest gift we can give ourselves is the gift of mindfulness, <coughs> I'm also saying that in each moment there is mindfulness, we free ourselves from the clutches of grasping and that moment becomes part of the natural order and family of the universe. And when it does, in the same way that we can stand in awe of the sun rising and setting, of the magnificence of the mountains and the oceans, of the beauty of the trees and all that is part of nature, we also begin to stand in awe of the life process that we call me, mine, myself or ourselves. That when our experience is held in the context of awareness, we begin to see clearly the grasping 
and each time we see the grasping and the sense of ownership that results from grasping, that grasping is dissipated. And in that dissipation, in that weakening of grasping, we start to come into a natural relationship with ourselves. And that natural relationship with ourselves is one of deep spaciousness and limitless freedom. Because whenever a breath arises, and we see it, not as my breath, but as breath arising as a natural consequence of being alive, we begin to honor it in the same way that we honor and experience with a natural awe, a wave in the ocean. That when pain arises and there is no grasping and it is held in the relationship of awareness, we see it as just pain in the same way that we see the heat and the tremendous fumes of a volcano that what awareness or mindfulness does is bring into relationship the true nature of our lives and our experiences. And that is that we are a flowing and changing process as all of life around us is. And in that relationship, we fall into deep honor and deep respect because that is the relationship that we have with life when it is outside of ourselves and in those moments when we don't own it. We stop taking for granted the fact that we can see and we begin to experience with deep gratitude the pleasure of sight and what it brings us, understanding that it is impermanent. We stop taking for granted hearing and we begin to understand as it comes and as it goes a deep gratitude for the ability to experience sound. We stop taking for granted the thinking process, the perception process, and the cognition process. And we begin to honor the fact that each one of us here is able to think, to perceive, and to cognize. We begin to understand our life as a gift. and. As Diana has mentioned several times in the last couple of days, that relationship of the mother to the child, we begin to see ourselves and our particular quirkiness, uh, the places where we fall into irritation and frustration, the places when we lose it and are despairing, the places when we laugh and giggle and have fun, the places when we feel sexy and the places when we don't, all those particular facets and characteristics that make up the kind of complex personality that we inhabit, we begin to actually feel amused with ourselves and say, huh, there I go again. There I go. I just fell into that trap of not liking myself this time. Or, as I mentioned yesterday, oh, 
here it is again. Here is my insomnia. Well, okay. <laughs> this is what's arising in this life. You know, just as sometimes if the weather moves into storms, and sometimes if you live in some places, there are a lot of them. So here it is in my life, the storm of insomnia, or the storm of anger, or the storm of abandonment, or whatever it is. They are all visitors. Friendly companions that arise as the very nature of this arising we call Diane or Carol or Irina. So as we sit here and we struggle with the breath and we think that it shouldn't be that particular way, and as we sit and struggle with the thoughts and we think the thoughts shouldn't be a particular way, as we sit with our bodies and think that the pains shouldn't be there, We can also remind ourselves and be reminded if it's just in the intellectual understanding that these are not ours and therefore it is pointless to fight them. It's pointless to fight them. It's like saying the wind shouldn't blow. It's ridiculous. It's just the wind blows. As we sit, pain arises, and then it goes. Sound arises and sound goes. And what mindfulness does, as we become more and more mindful, and as we become more and more present, we get to see this clearly. That's the vision. Yesterday we talked about living and holding a vision that brought us here today, living and holding a vision of freedom. Our freedom rests in coming to see more and more clearly this fact about our lives, that there is no I, that it is a guest. This whole life, this body, this thinking process is a guest. And that we can come into that relationship of deep freedom and happiness with this guest that I call myself and with all that arises and passes away as we practice mindfulness. Today we have been very gentle in a lot of our expressions. We have said, be gentle with yourself. Invite non-judgment. Invite that spaciousness that allows the mindfulness just to see clearly the sensation without the grasping and without the version, so that we can come a little closer to seeing the truth about what it is. When you were lying on your back and your head was moving, it was just the moving and your awareness of it. It was life in that moment expressing itself in that pressure and your knowing. There's no I. It might have been unpleasant, too. Where's the I in it? It's unpleasant. It's your experience of unpleasant. Where's the I? It might even be your not liking it. And then a thought. Where's the I in that? It's just thinking, pressure, awareness of pressure. This human being, this expression of life in the space of mindfulness, 
frees itself. And in that freedom comes a deep honoring. And as we have talked about this gentle process of non-judgment, of opening into mindfulness, we haven't included the expression of the warrior. We haven't included the expression of the mountain or the fire. What's a goddess called, that Hindu goddess that has all the big... We haven't included the energy of Kali. But you know, they have a place. They have a space, I think, in our particular opening. Because this mindfulness, this cultivation of mindfulness and loving-kindness sometimes demands the energy of a warrior. It sometimes demands the incredible effort and fire that manifests in Kali. It's not easy. It isn't. It isn't easy. It is not easy to open to the space of deep honoring and respect. And we all know that, because we have lived our lives sometimes, I know each one of us, in really incredible pain and torment and despair. And so we know it isn't easy. But we also know this, that it is even harder when we don't make the effort to bring ourselves back into the folds of our vision of freedom. That it is even more painful and more despairing when we let go of our warrior stance and when we forget to place ourselves in the center of our vision. Our lives and our liberation rests squarely on our own shoulders our lives and our liberation rest squarely on our own efforts. And sometimes these efforts require a tremendous amount of energy. Sometimes these efforts require that we become extremely zealous and unremitting in our efforts to reconnect with ourselves, to let go of what makes us deeply unhappy and to open to what makes us happy. The good news is that we each can do it. The good news is that we each here have the capacity to be unflinching in our stance of being mindful and of reconnecting with ourselves. And when we're there, present with each moment, and when we're there and we see the not liking, we have that opportunity, and we talked about that yesterday, of making the choice. Do I make the choice and let myself get sucked into this believing that I can control my experiences through liking and not liking, through pleasant and unpleasant, or do I make the choice to find a way and to understand that this is a visiting guest and that I have the possibility of relating to whatever arises with graciousness.
temporary fixing does work some of the time. There are times when we need to stay in our defenses. There are times when it is just too unpleasant and we do what it is that we do when it's too unpleasant. Some of us become workaholics, some of us get into sugar, that's one of my things, I love it. <laughs> I love the high of sugar, I love the high of coffee. I see what it does, it takes me out of my space and sometimes I do it. I have two cups of very sweet coffee. Sometimes we have to give ourselves a break and you know what, that's fine. That's totally fine. It is fine to give ourselves a break. It is fine to do the kinds of things that give us the temporary relief and rest that we need so that we can refresh ourselves to come back to what we really know is our work. And that's the difference. The difference is understanding there is no escape in the end except to do this work. If there was, I would be doing it and I wouldn't be here. I would, honestly. But what I've discovered is that there isn't any escape. There isn't. There's no escape. And what the Buddha says is what work you don't do this lifetime, he promises you'll do the next lifetime. And what work you don't do the next lifetime, he says you'll do the next. And that's why I opened today with that story, that it doesn't matter how many lifetimes you live, for hundreds and hundreds of years, each lifetime over and over again, it doesn't matter, he said. You can go on infinitely, and he says, we do. We go on ad infinitum, because none of that counts until we get it, until we get that the only thing that does count is coming back and making that effort to come back to awareness, to come back to loving-kindness. So sometimes we have to be the deep warrior with ourselves. Sometimes we have to make the stand. We have to take the stand and we have to say, no way, I'm not letting you get away with this. And then at other times we say, oh yeah, now it's time for a break, time for a break, time for a vacation with the understanding that after the vacation and rest, there's only one place to come back to, and that is the space of being mindful and of being loving. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundation. Though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late. Enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn, 
through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strolled deeper and deeper into the world determined to do the only thing you could do determined to save the only life you could save may we save our lives May each one of us here come to the deepest freedom and liberation. May we become zealous in our efforts, unyielding in our commitment to our vision of freedom and happiness. May we also know when to take vacations. May all beings everywhere have the same opportunities that each one of us here has had. Yesterday, for those of you who are here, yesterday and today, to come to know the greatest blessing life can give us, the truth. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.